This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We appreciate those of you who are watching today. In all probability, we have those watching today for the very first time. Almost every time we come on the air, there are those who call and let us know this is the first time that they have seen getting to know your Bible. If this is the case with you today, we want to welcome you to our telecast. And we have those who watch every time we're on the air, and may I welcome you as well. Now today on our telecast, we're going to be discussing this subject, your most prized possession. Your most prized possession. Let me urge you to stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now on our telecast, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course. And may I emphasize that the course that we're offering today is absolutely free. Sometimes people will call and say, I know Brother Lambert said it's free, but really is it? If I tell you it's free, it's free. We do not charge for the course. We do not charge for people when we request a CD of one of the lessons. Even if they request a DVD of one of the lessons, there is no charge. We hope that you'll stay tuned today as we discuss this subject, your most prized possession. Now that you might know more about the Bible course that we have mentioned, Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free one 7115214 no I want to read now from the Gospel according to Mark chapter 8 I'll be reading beginning in verse 36 well, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this generation, in this, in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. If I were to ask you today to tell me the most prized possession you have, what would come to your mind? Now, with some of the men, it may be their gun, maybe a shotgun they go hunting with. That might be their most prized possession. With some of the ladies, it may be a pair of diamond earrings that she has. That might be a most prized possession. But with some of the young people today, if you were to say, well, what, what, what is it that you prize a, a more a, above all other things that you have in your possession? And some of them would say, well, it's my iPod or my iPhone uh, or my iPad. 
But let me ask you, what is it that you ought to value above any other thing? And Jesus, in the words that I have just read to you from Mark chapter 8, is suggesting that your soul is the most valuable, the most prized thing you possess. In fact, Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, Jesus says your soul is valuable, is valuable. Why, he said, if a man were to gain all there is in the world, and that man lost his soul, that man would have made a bad bargain. Well, I suppose it were possible to gain all of the popularity of the world, all of the money of the world, all of the power of the world, Suppose it were possible to have in your possession everything that the world affords. But in the process, you lost your soul. Jesus' question is, what have you profited? And that's a question that answers itself. There is no profit. If we would lose our souls at the expense of gaining everything we can in this world. Hey, have you ever wondered why Jesus put such a, a premium on the soul of a man? Well, well, one of the reasons that our soul is so valuable is because our soul is from God. Solomon in Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, uh, in the seventh verse, is talking about what happens when an individual dies. And Solomon said that man goes back to the dust of the ground from which he was made, but his spirit returns unto God who gave it. So, so you see, our soul is valuable, but because it is from God, God is the one who gave us that soul. And we are God's offspring. In Acts the 17th chapter in verse 28. There the apostle said, For in him we live and we move and, and we have our being. And then he went on to say, For as much as you're the offspring of God, you ought not to think that the Godhead is likened unto gold or silver or, or stone graven by art and man's device. We're God's offspring, and the soul of man is valuable because it is made in the image of God, Genesis 1, 26. When God said in the very beginning of time, let us make man, God said, let us make man in our likeness and in our image. May, may I suggest yet another reason that your soul is valuable? It is because your soul is eternal in its nature. 
I'm thinking now passage of the Apostle Paul in the second Corinthian letter, chapter 5 and verse 1. And, and Paul is, is striking at this concept of eternity and our dwelling in eternity one day. He said, for we know that if this earthly house of our tabernacle word is of, we have a building of God, a house not made with, uh, with hands, eternal in the heavens. Man one day will be in an eternal home. In Matthew chapter 25 and uh, verse 46, at the very close of this great chapter, where Jesus had just given a scene of the coming judgment with the goats on the one side and the sheep on the one side and the, that is the lost on one side and the saved on one side. And Jesus draws this line in the sand. Verse 46. And these shall go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous in the life eternal so those who are lost will be lost eternally. Those who are saved will be saved eternally. Somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, isn't it the case that we're going to die? Absolutely. But there's a day coming that our bodies will come out of the grave. There will be the reunion of our soul, our spirit with our body. John 5, 28 and 29, Jesus said, the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Friends, your soul is going to be somewhere in eternity. It is eternal in its nature. And then the soul leaves the body by this vehicle we call death. James 2.26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. You see, the spirit leaves the body in death. In Luke the 16th chapter, beginning in verse 19, Jesus said there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a beggar named Lazarus, which laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass the beggar died, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man died also and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy, have mercy. And sin Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger and cool, a tip of the finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. Here was a man who was in eternity, the man, the poor beggar who died was in eternity. And the man who had been the rich man in this life was now the beggar. And the man who had been the beggar is now the rich man. Their roles are reversed. But you see what happened to both of them is they died, their souls left their body. 
Friends, the soul of man needs to be saved. It needs saving. In Hebrews 10, 39, the record says, we're, we're not of them that draw back unto perdition, but we are of them that believe, listen to it now, to the saving of the soul. We are those that believe to the saving of the soul. The soul needs to be saved and the soul can be saved. Have you been saved? Is your soul saved? In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9, Peter said, Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. See, our souls need to be saved. And I ask again, what about your soul? You see, the end result of an individual not being saved is not a joking matter. It is not a joking matter. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 7, and I'll read through verse 9. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God, and listen to it now, and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to verse 9 carefully. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Friends, we cannot afford for our souls not to be saved. Your most prized possession is your soul. Your soul needs to be saved. But I want to raise a question. What saves men's souls? Well, just thinking we're saved will not save your soul. Solomon said there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way that seems to be right is the way of death. Men's souls are not going to be saved by institutions that that men may have uh, created, made. Uh, in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 13, Je Jesus said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. There was an elderly preacher who used to say that when rooting day came, he wanted to be in that plant that the Lord had planted. So our souls are not going to be saved by clinging to or adhering to some man-made organization, man-made institution. Yeah, those man-made organizations may be doing a lot of good socially, but what about our soul? And nor is our soul saved by some man-made teaching. Our Lord in the 15th chapter of Matthew said, In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. You see, the doctrines and the commandments of men, that is some idea that a man may conceive in his mind, is not going to save our soul. So I ask again, what saves our soul? And the answer to that question is found in Romans, the first chapter, and verse 16. 
For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There is power in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to save our soul. Listen to the Apostle Paul again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in the very first passage. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, and by which you are saved. You see, we're saved by the gospel. The power to save an individual is not in some preacher. It, it, it is not in some personality. That the power to save is in the plain, simple, loving message of our Lord called the gospel. And there's nothing else that can take its place. Listen to this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. As I said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. You see, nothing can take the place of the gospel in the saving of our soul. But I think it's a fair question to ask, how does the gospel save us? Romans 1 just simply says that the gospel is God's power to save. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said that the gospel saves. So the question is, how does the gospel save? First of all, let me give a definition of the word gospel. And it literally means glad tidings or good news. What I hold in my hand is glad tidings or good news. The Lord gave us his last will and testament called the gospel. Sometimes we call it the New Testament. And within the pages of that New Testament, there is good news. Good news about Jesus who lived, who died, and was raised from the dead that we might live. So the gospel is that which saves. And for the gospel to save, someone must preach the gospel. Why, in Mark 16 and 15, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So we're to preach the gospel because it takes the gospel message to save the world. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians the ninth chapter said, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. You see, the gospel must be preached to people. In Romans chapter 10, beginning in thir verse 13, the, the apostle is talking about the preaching of the gospel. 
He begins by saying, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him of whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That just simply emphasizes to us the importance of the preaching of the gospel. So the gospel is that which saves, and our souls need to be saved. But how does the gospel save? The gospel message must be preached. The reason that we have getting to know your Bible on television is that we might proclaim the good news of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But this gospel, when it is preached, must be heard. That is, people must listen to it. And they must believe the gospel. You can believe many things, possibly, and go to heaven. But you cannot, and you can disbelieve many things and still go to heaven. But you cannot disbelieve the gospel and go to heaven. The gospel must be believed. Jesus said, go preach the gospel. He that believeth, believes what? Believes the gospel. You must believe. You must believe the gospel. And the gospel tells us about Jesus. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, and by which you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried, and that He arose again the third day according to the Scripture. So Paul said, I preach the gospel to you. And I preach to you things about the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my friend, you cannot disbelieve those facts and go to heaven. We must believe the gospel. But the gospel not only must be believed, it must be obeyed. We must obey the gospel. Peter asked a question in 1 Peter chapter 4. What shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel? So what is the end of those who obey not the gospel. The gospel is to be preached. The gospel is to be heard. The gospel is to be believed. And the gospel must be obeyed. Have you obeyed the gospel? Someone says, well, what does it really mean to obey the gospel? Listen to Jesus. He that believeth 
and is baptized shall be saved. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I am to be baptized into Christ that my sins might be washed away in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts twenty two sixteen reads, Now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So we're to hear the gospel, believe the gospel, obey the gospel. That's exactly what the people in Corinth did. Listen to this example of conversion in Acts chapter 18, verse 8. Many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. He that believeth, is baptized, shall be saved. Mark 16 and verse 16. Let me ask you, how do you value your soul? Your soul. Do you value your soul enough that you would obey the gospel? In Romans the 6th chapter and verse 17 and 18, listen to Paul, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Have you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, a form of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus by dying to sin, being buried with Christ in the waters of baptism, and rising to walk in the newness of life. Have you done that? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you ever thought about the souls of other people and how they need the gospel? Maybe your companion, perhaps your children, people with whom you work, people with whom you go to school, they need the gospel. Our soul is our most priceless possession. I would urge you to become a Christian today that your soul might be saved for all eternity. Also in the closing moments of our telecast today, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community you'll find people who preach the gospel, who believe the gospel, who've obeyed the gospel. Also right now, may I encourage you to pick up the telephone, call for the free Bible course right now. I want to thank you for watching, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, 
Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.